A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. My name is Emma Gunn Awardner. Thank you for joining me for the return of Dr. Sahar Rocket, such a brilliant, brilliant guest and one that many of you have written in about. Sahar joined me on the show uh, earlier on this year to talk about her area of expertise. Now, she is a GP, but she is also a specialist in the area of hormones and women health and integrative medicine. Now, we may have talked generally about uh, women's health and the subject of hormones, which is a very um, complicated subject, shall we say. And the response from listeners was huge. And the uh, consistent theme in a lot of the messages was it made me realise that X or a light bulb went off or I realised that that thing must be linked to something else. So the fact that it added value and was helpful was fantastic. But then what also happened is I received lots of very specific questions, which for a while I thought, I don't know what to do with these. This is These need to be... Um, Sahar needs to see these but I can't ask her to give up loads of time and do one-on-one consultations over email so the way that I did it was I went over to her clinic over in Knightsbridge she works at this brilliant place called Omnia and we had another session and I asked her listener questions so I will be putting the listener questions in uh, the show notes and I'll be time stamping them so that you can fast forward directly to the question that you want to listen to the answer to if you don't have time to listen to every single thing. Um, What's very interesting though, I think I had an hour with her and we were able to ask about eight or nine questions. And what was very interesting is that since I recorded the show a couple of weeks ago, I've since hung out with friends and um, met up with a few people and very naturally the conversation has turned to women's health and two of the questions have come up from people that I'm friends with so I'm hoping that for that reason it won't be too specific and actually lots of you will be able to uh, see yourself in some of these answers and maybe get some clarity or some insight in some other bits and bobs so that's what this show is it's the return of Dr. Sahar Rakhod who very generously gave me some time out of her busy clinic hours she is such a busy lady uh, with lots of things not just her clinic but we'll talk about that she has a retreat that she runs a few times a year which she talks a little bit about at the beginning, and I will put the link to that in the show notes if it sounds like the kind of thing that you would like to get involved with. Before we head over into the show, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who's been in touch recently. This show really is created by you. These are your questions, and if you want to get in touch, it really is very simple. Just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com, or if you follow me on social media, you know that I'm always there. So DM me on Twitter and Instagram where I am at Emma Guns and I really look forward to hearing from you. Here it is, part two, the second show, the return of Dr. Sahar Rocket on the Emma Gunn Show. I'm so happy. Sahar Rocket is back. Dr. Sahar Rocket, I should Hooray, say. Hooray, I'm back. <laughs> By so much listener request by the way your um show that was published earlier this year has been a huge success and people have been getting in touch so to meet that demand i thought we'd do a session with you answering questions so thank you for taking time out of your busy clinic no problem but you are looking quite sun-kissed what have you been doing sahir i've just got back from the retreat that i run in forteventura it's called the alive retreat we spent five days doing yoga great food going to the beach, meditating, visualising, and uh, basically, although I am working, I do get to partake too, so (laughs) come back feeling pretty fresh, which is good. I thought you were going to say, I do get to partake. (laughs) No, not not quite. It's not that kind of holiday. It's a bit of salsa, but not quite partaying. So how many days is it? Five days. Wow, okay, so it's just like basically like a digital detox mixed with all the other... Yeah, definitely. ...lovely things that you can do. Get away, get some sun, and just, you know, meet some other great people who are on the retreat, and 
come back feeling inspired, which is always great. I looked at your social media and it looks like people make friends for life there. Yeah, it's really nice actually. And I've always been a big fan of going on retreats because I found them beneficial. So then I thought, well, maybe I should just start my own one so I can spread the love. How often do you do that? Uh, I've done four this year and there's four planned for next year. Okay, so I'm guessing that if people, if listeners want to go to it, is it saharawcare.co.uk? Yeah, it's on my website, drsaharawcare.co.uk. It's got its own website also, thealiveretreat.com. Okay, I will put all of those in the show notes. And I'll I'll start calling you doctor, because you didn't go to medical (laughs) school, as Dr. Evil once said. It's all right. (laughs) Right, so I've got a selection of listener questions, and some people have said they don't mind if I mention their names, others have said they prefer if the questions were asked anonymously, just so that I don't screw it up, I'm not going to attribute these to anybody. Sure. Um, But these are all genuine questions that have come in from listeners since we did our show a few months ago. So, just going to read them out. Um, Before I do, let's just, for the listeners who maybe didn't catch the last show, let's explain what your area of expertise is. Sure. So, I am a a GP, a proper doctor, Mm -hmm. um, but I, after a while of doing normal NHS work, I wanted to practice more holistically because I felt that I wasn't really helping people by just dishing out pills and I wanted to get more involved with lifestyle and things that we could all do to actually create change, not Mm -hmm. just mask symptoms. So I did some training in nutrition and supplements and what's called integrative medicine. But I also did um, a lot of work with learning about hormone balance and in particular using bioidentical hormones to balance the body. So Mm -hmm. all a bioidentical hormone is is a hormone that has exactly the same structure as what your own body would make. Therefore, you're not suppressing your own body, you're rebalancing it. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of work with women and men, but mainly women, um, to help rebalance their hormones. And that can be at any stage, menopause or younger, things like PMS. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a fertility doctor, but I do see, see people who are having problems with their periods and fertility mm-hmm. as well. And what I've seen in my practice is that using hormones in combination with lifestyle and nutrition and managing stress can have a huge impact on someone's well-being, the way they feel, um, and giving people their quality of life back. So I really see a big difference. And I can testify to this, listeners, because if you listen to the first show, you know I came to see you, and I remember breaking down really embarrassingly, like crying, but like getting to the point of crying where I couldn't come back and even apologise for crying and being really embarrassed and saying to you, I don't really want, I'm terrified of leaving here and getting the train because I don't want to bump into anyone I know because I feel so terrible at the moment, etc., etc. And we didn't have that conversation when I bowled in here today 15 minutes No, you know, we didn't, which is really lovely to see because from my perspective, the, the reason I do the work I do is mm. because I can see how much hormones affect people and how... You can just lose all confidence in yourself, your Mm -hmm. sense of self, who you are. You're not living to your potential. And, you know, in many ways, us women can get the raw deal from Mm -hmm. that because our hormones are so varied and can change so much. And, you know, I'm really into empowering women and, you know, wanting women to live their best life and for us all to be the best we can be. Mm -hmm. So if there's anything I can do to help that, that just makes me feel like I'm doing a really good job to to help people be who they can be. Well, as someone who's seen it firsthand, I know that's exactly how you are. I remember telling you, I sent you an email just saying, I feel so much better. And your response was, that gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, that's what I live for, you know, that's why I do what I do. Um, If I didn't get those messages, it would make my life a lot harder. (laughs) But to know that, you know, you're, you're trying to do something positive to help people and it can make a huge difference then, you know, I think that's all any of us want in what we do really, isn't it? Exactly. So because of that, lots of people have written in, so I think let's just get cracking. Okay. So the first question. Hi, Sahar. I am 23 years old and I was diagnosed with secondary amenorrhea. Tell me if I say something wrong. Amenorrhea. Yeah, amenorrhea. that's good. A couple of years ago when I came off the combined contraceptive pill after three years and never had a period for 18 months. After scans and blood tests, my gynaecologist found the only explanation to be that I produced very low levels of oestrogen. My other hormones were considered to be within normal range. I was advised to continue to take the combined pill to artificially introduce the hormone into my body, but I am keen to explore other options. I consider myself to leave to lead a healthy, a healthy lifestyle. I eat a well-balanced diet and exercise regularly. Are there any other ways that I can encourage oestrogen production more naturally? 
I would love to have my periods again naturally. Yeah, sure. Um, so for um, the listeners, if you don't know what secondary amenorrhea is, I will explain. So basically, it means you're not having any periods. And that uh, primary amenorrhea is that you're just born and you never get a period. So, you know, when you, you get to 16 or 17, you still haven't had a period, you would see the gynecologist and they would investigate that. Mm-hmm. And it's normally a problem with the ovaries that you were born with or a problem with the womb that you were born with. Secondary amenorrhea is when you have had normal periods and then for some reason it's now stopped. Right. And it can be due to a whole host of things. So like this lady said, she is looking at lifestyle, which is important because stress can stop your periods. Mm -hmm. Dropping a lot of weight or gaining a lot of weight can affect your periods. Very intense exercise can affect your periods. So Um, some women who do bodybuilding end up not having periods Mm. for that reason because it's um, quite harsh on your hormonal system Um, some women take the pill and then they stop the pill and then they don't get periods Mm. after that and something's changed so this lady's had it investigated by her gynecologist who couldn't find anything other than a bit of a low estrogen Um, and now she's taking the pill So when you take the pill, that's artificial hormones that are creating a cycle in your body. Mm -hmm. So she's probably now having periods, but that's not her body doing that. That's the pill forcing her body to have a withdrawal bleed due to different changes in the synthetic hormones. Mm -hmm. So it still isn't treating the root cause of the problem. So the way that I would look at this is by saying, okay, why are we having low levels of hormones first of all let's try and figure out if there's a trigger is it stress is it something in lifestyle is it something in diet um a lot of people if they have a traumatic event their periods can completely stop and that can go on for quite a long Mm. time due to the shock of whatever's Mm. happened like say a car crash or the loss of someone loved it completely wrecks your hormonal system Mm. so um you know we'd want to try and figure out what's going on but if we can't find the cause of what's going on the way that i would approach this would be a bit like the pill the pill is creating an artificial cycle but because they are synthetic hormones they are suppressing your own hormonal production right i would want to try and create in inverted commas a cycle but using bioidentical hormones So like I said at the beginning, these are hormones that have the same chemical structure as your own body would make. So the hope would be that if we use these hormones, they may trick, in inverted commas again, Mm -hmm. your brain into naturally producing more of these hormones. Right, got you. So when I see women who have amenorrhea, I would give them um, a cycle of bioidentical hormones, maybe two or three months, mm-hmm. and see if that re-stimulates their body into creating a cycle. And I have seen that mm-hmm. cause benefit. So that would be my approach mm-hmm. to doing it because I would want to think, well, maybe the body just needs a little bit of a kick yeah. to like restart. So why don't we try this and then see if it, it restarts the natural hormone production? Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen a similar thing happen to me when women come to me right at the beginning of menopause. So they might say, I've just missed a couple of periods and we do some blood tests and it shows that they are on blood test in menopause. Mm -hmm. We give them the bioidentical hormones and then suddenly they're like, oh, I'm just having a lot of periods now and I don't know what's going on. So we do the blood tests and it's basically reversed that. Right. Because the hormones, the the brain thinks it's your own hormones. Mm -hmm. So it just re-kick-starts for a little while and resumes natural production. So that would be my approach to doing this. So does that mean you can delay menopause? Um, in a way, yes. Yeah. But only if your body wants to. Right. Um, if your body doesn't want to, it's not going to do that. It's just Got a you. case of maybe giving it a bit of a helping hand. Um, the lady also asked, is there anything else that she can do diet-wise mm. to help the this estrogen? So I would say the best way of doing that would be getting phytoestrogens into your body. So more natural plant estrogens and that can be from things like flaxseed linseed um edamame beans Mm. always worry i say that wrong but i think that's how you say (laughs) it um so you know not um like good quality soy Mm. miso soup um trying to stimulate that production that way yams i know um, yams Mm. are a good source of 
of estrogen in some um, African countries menopausal women have a lot of yam in their diet and yam soup and yam extract to try and cope with their menopausal symptoms so we know that that is of benefit as well so all those things could also be of help for this lady okay interesting I did when I looked at this I underlined um I eat a well balanced diet and exercise regularly not suggesting this listener doesn't (laughs) but I just wonder how many people say that to you and whether (laughs) whether you can believe it well what i'd say is that we maybe all have a slightly different idea of what a well-balanced diet is Mm. so you know people will say i have a well-balanced diet you go that's great tell me what you eat in a normal Mm -hmm. day and then you know you may find that there's some crisps snuck in there and some chocolate and then i have a sandwich for lunch and be like oh but but so your dinner's good but everything else maybe isn't so it's about just educating what a well-balanced diet is Mm. um i think probably the people that come to see me most of the time they have already done the nutritional path Mm. and and all those sort of things and maybe there are a few tweaks that we can make but in general diet is pretty good but i also think there is a lot of misinformation out there about what a good diet is oh i 100 percent agree yeah and it just makes everybody make bad decisions but they've made bad decisions by trying to do research but there's so yeah. much noise and That's my another podcast my thing itself. it is and just briefly on diet you know my thing is that the same diet isn't for everybody mm. so there are many good diets out there but it might be that the diet you're taking isn't the right diet for you based on your blood sugar based on how much fat you should be having based on you know i sometimes do a gene test Mm. that tells you what you should be eating so people may be eating paleo which on paper is really good but for them paleo is not good because Mm. they cannot have that much fat in their diet and they actually need some carbohydrates so there are many good diets out there and it varies from person to person yeah obviously um question two okay right uh, this listener wanted to talk about thyroid issues a bit more because I've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis for almost two years now. It's not a severe case that's progressing rapidly, but I've been taking levothyroxine, which is 50 micro micrograms micrograms to balance my body according to my physician. I started taking the medicine after an evaluation of my blood levels and an ultrasound of my thyroid, and I have somewhat regretted starting medication immediately after that first consultation and diagnosis. I was always underweight. I am 29, 178 centimetres tall, and my weight fluctuated between 50 and 55 kilos through my 20s until I started treatment. Every doctor that saw me before for other stuff told me to check my thyroid levels, but I did not have my blood drawn until two years ago. She has a thing with needles. Anyway, when I did start taking levothyroxine, and I also moved to London for a year-long MA course, so lifestyle and diet change is included in this, I gained five kilos over three months. I was also being treated for anxiety and depression at the time with sertraline and olanzapine in medium level doses. I completed that treatment this past April. I stopped taking levothyroxine to see what would happen last summer and gained another five kilos in one and a half months. Although during this time I was writing my dissertation, so that probably had an effect as well. But I used to lose weight during stressful times before this. I handed in the dissertation, moved back home, did a blood test and started levothyroxine again. I returned to 57 to 60 kilos, so that little experiment kind of proved that it definitely changed how my body works. Mm. I don't want to make it a personal case, I just wanted to know if she has expert opinions on Hashimoto's. It's apparently very common in women. Um, She's from Turkey. I know it affects fertility and could cause problems during pregnancy and it has many symptoms including depression, which interests me because my mental health has never been great. I've been on and off treatment for anxiety and depression for 10 years. It's quite a big question. Yeah, so if we start at the beginning, um, some listeners may be wondering what is Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So uh, what that is, is an autoimmune condition that affects your thyroid gland and makes it underactive. So your thyroid gland does not work as well as it should be because your body is producing antibodies that is attacking the thyroid and stopping it working as effectively. So in essence, your body is turning on itself and causing a problem with your thyroid gland. Mm -hmm. And um, as the um, listener said, it does affect things like weight, mood, energy, um, so uh, that's why her maybe one of the reasons her weight has been fluctuating mm-hmm. and her mood has been fluctuating. So 
In terms of treatment, there are two broad stems of treatment. One would be to balance the thyroid hormones, because if they can be in balance, that should stop um, a lot of the symptoms. And this is what this lady's experienced. She's taken medication and then she's had good levels of of, of the hormones. I'm Mm. I'm making an assumption because her weight's been better and her mood's been Mm -hmm. better. Um, And when she stopped the medication, then weight has also changed. Um, But we'll come on to another reason why that could be as well shortly. Um, So that's one way of treating it what's going on with the hormone levels, let's correct the hormone levels of medication. Mm -hmm. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. But the other side of it is, why is the body turning on itself and causing antibodies that are attacking the thyroid? Because that's not right, is it? Mm. That's not right. We don't want our bodies turning on ourselves and attacking ourselves. We've got enough to deal with other than that. Mm. Um, So we would want to try and figure out what is causing this autoimmune disease. And that's the tricky part. Mm. Almost taking the medication is the easy part. Um, And you will feel better, so that's great. But why is your body turning on itself? Now, as an example, I saw a lady once who has um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and she'd been on tons of medication and loads of different types of thyroid medication and seen loads and loads of doctors and... um, one thing that we sort of decided to do after seeing each other a few times and just chatting, because I'm quite a chatty person, I think mm-hmm. I mentioned juicing and stuff, and then she thought, right, that's it. I've never done a cleanse like that. I'm going to go on a, a big juice detox. Now, they have pros and cons, but she decided to do that. She thought it would help her weight, help her health, help her feel a lot better. So we did a thyroid as an experiment. We did the thyroid tests before, and we did the thyroid tests after a month. She did it for a month. She was super dedicated. Jeez, yeah, she's hardcore. Hardcore, a lot of juice. Um, and her antibodies reduced after this month-long cleanse. Okay. So what is that telling us? Is that telling us everyone needs to go on a juice fast? No, that isn't what it's telling us. It may be of benefit, but what did she take out? Mm. She took out all processed food, all sugar, unnatural sugar, she took out all, um, you know, uh, all, yeah, sort of unnatural processed foods. She's just having pure fruit, vegetables, high in antioxidants, highly anti-inflammatory nutrients. Mm. So maybe that's what we need to be focusing on for people with the raised antibodies. Um, we also know that gluten increases your antibodies for your thyroid. So we need to cut out gluten. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, it's not as easy as just going, I'm going to stop gluten for a month and then recheck my antibodies. Research has shown it probably takes between 12 and 18 months of no gluten before your antibodies change. That's a big commitment. Wowzers. But if your thyroid's affecting you that much, you'll probably Mm. put in the effort, right? And if you're feeling other health benefits from that too, then you're more likely to stick with it. Mm -hmm. I always think the beginning is the worst bit of anything for the first few weeks. Any sort of, Mm. you know, cutting out anything from your diet or starting a new exercise regime or whatever. Until you start seeing the results, you find it quite hard to do. But if you do something for two or three weeks and you start feeling better and your energy's better and your mood's better and your sleep's better and your skin's a bit better, then you're more likely to stick with it because you're seeing the improvement. So um, that's something that also helps as well. Mm. Um, So yeah, it's all about looking at what's causing this in the body and how can we adjust it as well as doing the medication. Mm. That's my approach. Something that struck me when you were reading out the email is that both times the medication was stopped um, and the weight gain went on was also at very highly stressful times, like writing dissertations and things like that. And what we do know is that high cortisol levels, which is our stress hormone Mm. in our body, also affects our other hormones. So it could be a bit of a case of chicken and egg, you know, mm. is the stress contributing or is it the fact that we stopped the medication causing more stress? Mm. But definitely anything we can do to get stress under control will be of benefit for your thyroid balance. And also, you know, in, in general terms for estrogen and progesterone balance and testosterone in women as well. So definitely getting stress under control in some shape or form is a good thing as well. Okay. 
Interesting. And I think the last thing the listener mentioned was um, the thyroid affecting fertility. Yes. And yes, if your thyroid is not well balanced, it can affect your fertility. So definitely getting your hormones optimum with medication and lifestyle changes is paramount. And when patients with thyroid disease get pregnant, they have to be monitored very closely because the pregnancy can actually affect their thyroid as well. So they have very regular monitoring just to keep the levels at bay. Okay. Um, just as a sort of housekeeping thing, you can't guess that you've got Hashimoto's, can you, by you looking can't. at Google? No. How do you find out that you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis? So you can have um, you can have hypothyroidism mm-hmm. without having Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's is diagnosed by having your thyroid antibodies checked. Right. Um, they're called TPO and um, thyroglobulin antibodies. Um, and your doctor may be able to do them for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I ask that because I think it's we're in such a googly world yeah. that you can listen to an email like that and think, oh, that sounds a bit like what yeah. I'm going through. Yeah. But it could be not at all. Yeah. So I want to be responsible. And my, my issue with thyroid is if we look at the main symptoms, their weight gain, low mood, low energy. Well, we all pretty much have that, but mm. we, we don't all have... A thyroid issue mm-hmm. so when I see people who come in and they're like it's definitely my thyroid I do say it may not be your thyroid but it's still your symptoms so mm. either way we'll get to the bottom of what's causing the symptoms but be prepared that it may not be the thyroid okay interesting uh the next question um a question for Sahar I have is about periods I have come off my pill as my husband and I are thinking about having a baby Anyway, I haven't had a period for months and having gone to the doctor got told there was nothing to worry about. But I am worried and I guess I would be interested to know if there was anything I could do to help sort my cycle out or at least go to the doctors with a suggestion. Okay, so again, this is quite a common thing Mm. um, because if you're taking the pill, it's suppressing your own natural production of hormones. So you don't know what your body is doing and then you can come off the pill and find that your cycle doesn't come back as quickly as you want it to. Mm. Um, So it can be normal for maybe three or four months for the body to be taking its time to adjust before the cycle comes back in a normal pattern. Um, But if we did want to get this investigated, the things that I would recommend is getting um, your levels of estrogen, estradiol, progesterone, checked Mm -hmm. Um, maybe the follicle stimulating hormone which is the signal from the brain that tells the ovaries to work so we can make sure there's no issue there and also a hormone called prolactin which can be produced in the brain if there's a a bit of an issue um, and that can suppress your own hormone production so that would be a sensible way to start Mm -hmm. Um, it could be the case that because we've been on the pill for a long time and we don't know what's going on Um, maybe it would be worthwhile if the hormone levels are normal getting a pelvic ultrasound scan also done to make sure there's no problem with the womb um, and no problem with the ovaries like polycystic ovary syndrome Mm -hmm. so I think that would be a good starting point Um, it's really easy for me to sit here and go again stress hormones are going to affect your cycle Mm -hmm. so the more you worry about it the more it could be making the problem worse. But I understand, I don't want to be patronising about that. And of course, if you're trying to get pregnant and you're Mm. not sure what's going on with your body, you will be producing a lot of stress hormones. Um, But just to be aware that that can also be having an impact. Um, So just to be a bit mindful of that and do whatever you can to to try and relax and de-stress when you can as well. Hmm. That's now making me want to ask you the question, which I don't know you know the answer to, is is there a link to meditation and fertility? Well, there's some weird physical changes that happen within the body when you meditate, like the whole change of the yeah. amygdala, etc. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And definitely things like meditation will help bring down your cortisol mm. and that will help balance your, your hormones. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us have heard of someone who's been trying to conceive and trying and trying and trying and it's just not working. So they kind of give up mm. and adopt or go down a different route and suddenly they're pregnant Mm, mm. um and so i think that just shows how powerful stress is on our hormonal systems yeah okay uh anything else you want to say about that before we move on to the next question i don't want to rattle through them let's move on okay next question 
Um, how does Sahar feel about hormonal contraception and its impact on natural hormone levels? Would she advise against being on hormonal contraception for most of our lives? I have been on hormonal contraception for nearly 20 years, 10 years on the pill, now on the Mirena IUD for nine years. Lately, I've been wondering if some of my long-term issues, which include headaches, fatigue, fogginess, mild depression, and low sex drive, could be related to my contraception. I basically don't know what life with a normal hormone cycle would be like since I've been on contraception for so long. According to my GP, both my blood work and thyroid are fine. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Which is frustrating because I feel something is wrong. So now I will have my IUD removed to see if anything changes. Okay, so that's a really interesting question because. Um, I'm I'm 36 and a lot of my friends who are at a similar age to me basically just went on the pill at 16 mm-hmm. um, for no reason, not because they had heavy periods or anything, just thought oh, I'll just go on the pill because it's yeah. going to regulate my cycle, I don't have to worry about Happy PMT, skin. yeah exactly, yeah. don't have to worry about breakouts and things, um, so they, they went on the pill and then they get to their 30s and decide they want to have a baby and that's the first time they come off mm. the pill. Everyone you speak to will have their own slightly biased biased slant, I guess. Mm. But from my perspective, I would feel that we want the body to be working in as natural a way as possible. So if you don't need the pill for contraception, why are you taking the pill? Now, if it's a case of the periods were horrific, um, the, the PMT was awful, you couldn't get out of bed, your energy was horrendous I can understand why someone would choose to take the pill for that Mm. reason but if that wasn't the case maybe it would be good to give your body a rest and Mm -hmm. see how your your own natural cycle progresses Um, and that can be balanced with bioidentical hormones as well so when I see younger women that's one of the things we do Mm. Um, in terms of taking the pill and then also the Mirena, they're two different things because mm. when you're taking the pill, um, it's synthetic hormones that are suppressing your own natural production of hormones. But when you use the Mirena, which is a, um, a coil um, or intrauterine device, IUD, it's something that goes inside your womb and releases a low dose of synthetic progestin inside the lining of the womb. So it thins the lining of the womb, plus there's something in the womb so um you can't get pregnant Mm -hmm. but it doesn't stop your ovaries producing hormones right so that's why some people feel that that's better and Mm -hmm. that's maybe why the gp's done a blood test and said look the hormones are okay Mm -hmm. because he's done that test um however you could still be having hormonal imbalances your natural progesterone level could still be a bit low and that could be affecting your mood and your energy and cause headaches And something that's really common um, when you're on the pill or when you're on the Mirena or just as a woman, unfortunately, is that the testosterone levels could be getting a bit low. So testosterone is really important for women and we all think of it as a male hormone. And yeah, we need a much lower dose of it than a man does, like maybe a, a, you know, one thirtieth of what a man needs, but we still need some for our energy, our mood, our muscle so for concentration to prevent brain fog so testosterone is really really important and that is suppressed by hormonal contraception so sometimes I see somebody um, and they're on the pill but I may still check their testosterone and supplement that Mm -hmm. um, to help boost levels and help them feel good again so um, the other thing is that this um, that this question that's come in, the person who wrote it, they they feel quite in tune with their body. And sometimes you are in tune with your body and you can just feel that something is off. Mm. So it could be that even though the Mirena IUD is only meant to be acting locally in the womb, it could still be having some systemic effects throughout the body. Mm-hmm. So you do also have to go with your body and, um, you know, see how you feel uh, just because it's not meant to cause 
any other problems doesn't mean that it may not be. Mm-hmm. So it's good to also be intuitive about your body. I also wanted to flag up from a personal point of view and get your feedback on this as well is that uh, the listener wrote according to my GP both my blood work and thyroid are fine and I went to the doctor had my hormones checked and they said they're fine there's nothing wrong yeah go and eat less and exercise more but then when I had a more detailed analysis of my hormones there was an imbalance yeah um it wasn't a huge one but there was something at play how would you and I really, this question really resonated with me because, as you say, she's in tune with her body. Mm. She feels that something's wrong, and it's exactly how I felt. So if she wasn't getting the answers that she felt she was looking for, what, yeah. what, how would you advise her? Um, well, I guess it's always good to... You know, when you go see your GP, GPs do a great job, but they're under a lot of pressure, mm. and you can't be a specialist in every single area as a GP. You just can't, you know, how are you meant to know about every single thing in a lot of depth? So the GP's just looking at it from, is there a pathology here? No, so that's good, Mm -hmm. so there's nothing wrong, which is very conventional medical thinking. What does pathology mean in Um, that context? Like a a serious disease or or something like that. So, you know, maybe for you, Emma, when you went with your issues, the GP's like, look, there's nothing wrong, you don't have a particular problem with the ovaries or the Mm -hmm. womb or the thyroid, so off you go, you're fine. But you're going, no, I'm not fine. Mm. I don't feel fine. But the GP's going, but unless there's a disease, I don't know how I can treat this. But that doesn't mean that it's not treatable. It just means you need to see the right sort of person Mm -hmm. who can tailor things and look for these subtle imbalances and correct them. Mm -hmm. And some people are very sensitive to these subtle imbalances and other people aren't. Mm -hmm. So if you are someone who's quite in tune with your body, you're going to be noticing these things more than someone who isn't. Okay. Good advice. Good advice. Moving on to the next question. Um, Um, I have just finished listening to your Sahar Rocket podcast, which I thoroughly enjoyed as it made me analyse aspects of my life, which I'd previously not paid attention to especially supportive of my recently uh, recent meditation practice using the Calm app, which is very nice to hear. The contraceptive pill was touched on in the August episode, although I wondered if you could provide an insight into the hormonal effects of the Marina coil. The Marina coil. Um, I always want to say Macarena, but there's no... <laughs> um, when you meet with Sahar again. I changed from the pill about five months ago, mainly so I didn't need to think about taking the pill, but I have recently questioned its hormonal effects, especially to my skin, which is broken out with spots, but maybe I would have broken out anyway. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about the Mirena already. Um, and the way it works is that it produces, it releases a synthetic progestin that thins the lining of the womb. So most people having it don't get a period, mm-hmm. which they may like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a good treatment for heavy periods. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also used as a treatment for fibroids because it can help shrink them down a little bit. So it definitely has benefits um, and can be a good treatment. Um, But like I said with the the previous question, it's not meant to cause any other changes in the body, but that's not to say that it can't. Mm -hmm. And it, I don't know, like this uh, listener question uh, reader, I don't know what to call them, a listener said, (laughs) uh, like the listener said, would she be getting acne anyway? She doesn't know. She doesn't know. And But what we do know is that your ovaries should still be producing hormones. Um, you can still balance your hormones, even though you have a Mirena. Um, and it's definitely a good contraception, though. And I can understand the pill, you've got to take it every single day, the Mirena, it's in for five years and you can just forget about it. So that's why a lot of people like to have it. Um And there are less systemic effects than when you take the pill. Mm. So I can understand why people do use it. Some people do opt for a copper coil um, or copper IUD, which is non-hormonal. So the way that works is a bit like the Mirena. It's inserted into the womb and it just sits there. You can have it for 10 years, but it can cause your periods to be a little bit heavier and a little bit more painful but it's not releasing any hormones. Mm -hmm. So some people opt for that so that they know there are definitely no synthetic hormones in their system. Right. But there's still something artificial in your system, um, in your womb. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, it's tough being a, a woman, isn't it? Mm. But um, <laughs> that's also an option as well if people are looking for a non-hormonal contraception that's long-lasting. Okay. So in answer to this particular listener... It's... I think she, she said she's going to get the Mirena taken out mm-hmm. and see if things improve. Mm-hmm. So you'd probably have to give it about four to six months to see if things improve. Right. If not, it probably wasn't the Mirena causing the problems, mm-hmm. but just the hormones still need balancing. And I guess with this as well, it's she's switching from one type of thing to another one without a rest. Yeah. So, like, how long should you give your body to acclimatise? Obviously, everyone is different, but on average... Everyone is different, but I'd probably say somewhere between three to six months. Okay. Good stuff. Right. Um, this is a longer question. Right, so... I'll try to summarise my current situation and why I would love to get Sahar's spin on things. I am 31 and have been trying to conceive for over a year with no joy as yet. We've had all the preliminary tests, which are all normal except slightly low progesterone, on my day 21 blood test. The doctor said that shows I didn't ovulate that month and so I've been prescribed Clomid to encourage ovulation. I have been tracking my cycle and ovulation for a year or so and I had noticed that my luteal phase is short, normally about 8 days. And so I questioned the doctor about whether this could be an issue and she didn't seem to think it would be, but was quite vague. My GP and doctor friends also dismissed this as being a potential issue. I also asked the doctor if I could have ovulated after the blood test, which is quite likely, I think. And she said, no, because you ovulate on day 14. But surely we don't all ovulate on day 14. Alongside this, I am also feeling my hormones are quite all over the place and I can't put my finger on it. I was on the pill since 15 and have now been off it for two years and in that time my teenage spots have have returned in full force. My cycles were very irregular when I first came off the pill but after a few months of acupuncture they have got more regular. I am quite in tune with my body and my emotions and don't think my hormones follow the usual patterns of a cycle. I am on day 8 now and feel like I have PMT and even got some period type pains. I know we are all different but something just doesn't feel right and I'm not someone who likes to sit around and moan about stuff. I'd rather try to educate myself and get to the bottom of it. So if you do have Sahar back on the podcast I'd be interested to hear her thoughts. Yeah, so we are all different. That is correct. Um, My thoughts would be um, if this was a patient I was seeing cycles a bit all over the place doesn't know what's going on really um, I would probably recommend that patient does a saliva hormonal test I do normally use blood tests sounds like that's what the GP's done Mm. but the reason in this case I would do saliva is because you can track what your cycle is doing in terms of your progesterone and estrogen variants over the whole month. Because essentially, you spit in different pots over the whole of your cycle. Mm. So you start it two days after your period, and then basically you spit in a pot every other day, and then you, um, you, you do your last spit in the pot on the first day of your next period. So like she's saying... Well, the doctor said I ovulate on day 14, but do I? Well, we could find that out from that test. Mm. Is my luteal phase short? We can find that out from that test. And then, so you can't do that sort of test if you are already taking hormones, Mm -hmm. but you can do it if you are not taking hormones because it will measure your own natural production. And it basically looks to see if you're following the normal curve. Mm. So to me, that would sound like a sensible type of thing to do because she doesn't know where she is. She's asking her doctor friends. They're just like, no, no, don't worry about it. Um, she's asking the GP. The GP says everything looks fine. But like we said earlier, does it look fine? Mm. What does it actually say? We want to see those results to make sure. Um, and that's not dismissing what the GP said at all. It's just, you know, knowing that these subtle imbalances can cause quite big problems. The other thing that I was thinking is what is going on with her progesterone level? Because if you don't have enough progesterone, that affects your luteal phase which is in the second half of your cycle, which is where implantation of a fertilized egg would occur. Mm -hmm. Well, that can only occur if you have good levels of progesterone, which thickens the lining of the womb to allow implantation to occur. Mm -hmm. So they would be the sort of things I would be looking at. Um, But yes, it is also good to be intuitive. It is good to know what's going on with your cycle. Um, So yeah, I guess you just have to find the right sort of person who can help you with these 
things and guide you really mm. okay so uh, the, currently she's speaking to a GP but um, yeah. it sounds like if she's questioning that maybe it's time for her to look at somebody who can who specialises in this yeah possibly and I always say to people you know take all the blood tests you've had done there's probably nothing wrong with them if you mm. if you go and see someone you just need someone with a different outlook to have a look at them mm-hmm. so yeah it's definitely not dismissing conventional services or anything like that it's just saying that you know there are different options mm. GPs are great yeah but if you feel you're not quite getting to where you want to be then maybe seek a, a second opinion like we would all do with many yeah. different things I think it's like you said you know they can't be an expert in everything so if you go with a set of questions and you get either answers that you don't want yeah. or don't feel then you need to then go and ask questions of someone who will provide those answers yeah. so you can't ask specific questions of a GP it's yeah. a very general and we would all do that in, in loads of different areas of our life you mm. know if we saw um, we went to one place and we weren't quite happy with the answer we got and we didn't quite think the, the question was answered we'd go and get, get mm. a second opinion and totally. yeah I think that um, maybe we don't always do that with our health but there's nothing wrong with doing that and mm. GPs are great but they don't have the same sort of training as say a nutritionist would or a naturopath or you know someone like me who who does a lot of hormonal work so there's not saying there's anything wrong with what they're doing it's just not quite their area of expertise so Mm -hmm. seek out someone who does have that expertise okay next question i've just enjoyed your chat with sahar on hormones i found it fascinated and wondered if you could possibly shed any light on what happens in women's bodies when our normal hormonal cycle is not occurring what happens to us and our feelings if estrogen, progesterone and testosterone do not fluctuate monthly in the same way? I am particularly interested in knowing how hormonal changes in pregnancy and breastfeeding affect how we feel. A bit of background. I had a baby last year and I'm still breastfeeding now, 15 months later. This lovely listener emailed in very recently, actually, so this is fine. This is It is still 15 months. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a period yet, but think I can detect some PMS-type symptoms. I struggle with anxiety and haven't been able to find much accessible information explaining how changes to hormonal fluctuations when breastfeeding can affect the mood. Thank you. Okay, so the short answer is when you breastfeed, it will suppress your own natural production of hormones um, and uh, a lot of women don't get any periods when they're breastfeeding um, consistently and therefore the low levels of hormones, estrogen, progesterone and testosterone will affect the way you're feeling. It will affect your mood, your energy, it could cause headaches, affects your, affect your sex drive, your concentration. So the breastfeeding is having an impact on mm-hmm. hormonal levels and that will be also having an impact on the way you're feeling. It may not be the only thing affecting the way you're feeling, of course, um, of course nutrition has an impact on all those things stress are you exercising Mm -hmm. got a little baby are you sleeping enough Mm -hmm. all those things will also be having an impact um but i guess until the breastfeeding stops and the natural production of hormones resumes we won't quite know whether it's just hormones or whether it's hormones plus other things going on right okay so should she stop breastfeeding that's a personal decision and not for me to make. Mm. But I think if we want to know what's going on with the hormones, then that's the only way we're going to find out. Okay. Are there any things you can do when you are breastfeeding, if you are feeling like this, that can boost your mood, uh, lift all of these things that she's talking about? Is it about perhaps looking at the diet and exercise? And yeah, sleep? I would focus more on the lifestyle mm-hmm. part of things, which I know is difficult when you've got another human to care for uh, who's very small Um, but yeah trying to do as much as you can do to make sure nutrition is as good as possible you're not having sugar fluctuations um, you know minimizing as much stress as you can trying to get sleep when possible and trying to get some regular exercise in as well all those things will also have a benefit can you take magnesium when you're breastfeeding because I am evangelical about magnesium magnesium's great yeah okay yeah. you can yeah. I find that um, helps me sleep yeah it does for a lot of people mm. um, I can't um, I would be worried if I ran out of it oh, and couldn't okay. replenish my stores <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a bigger problem right final question okay um, 
She, this, is a, this is a lovely lady who says she, she lives in Australia and she says she wants to jump on a plane and come and see you. Aww. I would love to hear about PMS and ways to manage it. Mine was so bad it was really affecting my life. I've been working on gut health and diet and using a wild yam cream and feel like I'm getting a little control, but not enough. I'm debating if I should get another Mirena coil. She's 42 with two children, 16 and 12, and felt like the PMS was better with Mirena. Marina. Would love to take on, would love her take on the IUD. Of course, hormones and weight loss. My diet is radically better than in my 20s, yet mm-hmm. can't shift weight unless I practically starve myself, which is no fun. Yeah. So, um, talked a bit about Mirena. Mm-hmm. Not against it, but it may it may be improving things for some people. Um, and for other people, they may feel it's not improving things. If we're talking about PMS in general, so that's when you feel a bit grotty before your period it's the polite way of of calling it can we just Um, elaborate on what grottiness means well it means different things to different people Mm -hmm. so it can range from feeling a little bit weepy when you're watching eastenders and not sure why (laughs) to getting a little bit of breakouts to feeling suicidal so it can have such massive hormones can have such massive impact on the way you feel it can be that your energy is so low you can't get out of bed to feeling just oh i'm just a little bit more tired It can make you feel a bit hot and a bit like sort of irritable. Um, You can have, um, yeah, I think irritability is the mainstay for Mm. most people. But I've definitely seen people where they can feel suicidal for a few days before their period, which obviously is not ideal and um, is quite serious. In Mm. fact, you know, you know, have a little joke. Oh, do you on your period? You're a bit grumpy or whatever. But actually, it can be very, very serious. It's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny, and it's mm. not fun at all if you're the sufferer either. So, um, the the reason that we get this is because right before your period, your hormone levels drop. In particular, your progesterone. When you have good levels of progesterone, you feel all happy and calm and serene and your sleep's nice and you don't have fluid retention and your skin's lovely and your hair's good um, and you're a bit glowy, which is great. Um, And before your period, if you have a big imbalance, you can get a lot of the symptoms that I I mentioned from feeling just a bit bit miserable to feeling really awful. Mm. Um, So that can be balanced in a range of ways. So first comes first, always lifestyle. Is your diet contributing to your hormone imbalance? So are you having too much sugar in your diet, too much refined foods, too much processed foods? Um, Are you getting enough protein in your diet? All those things will help. Exercise will help balance your hormones. So try and get some regular exercise and that can range from doing you know, good cardiovascular exercise, a bit of strength training, Mm -hmm. because that's very good for boosting your hormones to also making sure you get some relaxation, Pilates, yoga type things as well Mm. um managing your stress if you have very high levels of cortisol it's going to drain your other hormones and make any pms type symptoms worse Um, and trying to get good quality sleep because that's when your body rests and recovers so like you said maybe you need to take something like magnesium to enhance your sleep um, or other sort of calming herbs and things as well Um, so all these things can help boost your sleep Next, we come on to the actual hormones and how can we improve them. So a supplement that I use with a lot of people is something called Agnus Castus, Mm. which is also known as Chasteberry in America. And that is a natural herbal product that can help balance the hormones. So I have some women who take that all the way through the month and it helps balance their hormones and reduce their PMS. Um, And then other women who just take it in the second half of their cycle and they find that that's enough to balance their hormones. Mm -hmm. So that's an option. Other things that help are things like evening primrose oil. So these things are like old wives' tales Mm -hmm. actually work. So that can help balance your hormones as well and be of benefit. Um, And then when people come to see me, they've normally exhausted these components and they come to me and we take actual progesterone. So that can be in a bioidentical hormone cream form or a tablet. And that helps to balance their progesterone. So the imbalance between estrogen and progesterone is a lot smaller. Therefore, their PMS symptoms are less. So there is hope out there is the answer. Mm-hmm. You don't have to suffer and feel horrendous. And PMS should be taken seriously because mm-hmm. it can have a huge impact on lives. Cripes. 
I didn't realise that PMS could be that severe. Yeah, it can be. I saw a woman once who was diagnosed as bipolar. And when we sorted out her progesterone, her bipolar symptoms went away. So I'm not saying that's the same for every single person with a psychiatric diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that progesterone is something that can contribute to your mental health needs. But it's the happiness hormone, isn't it? It is. I think that's been described to me because it's the the pregnancy hormone. It is. So it's that floating around glowing with hair like a goddess. Exactly. We're at the end of all the questions. Thank you so, so much. No problem. It's been such a pleasure hearing all of this and I really hope the listeners... Um, feel like their questions have been answered I'm sure you do yeah I hope um, there's some benefit from what we've said and it gives people ideas and um, feel a bit hopeful and mm. just different avenues to explore because so I think um, you're obviously an expert in your field I want to also sort of I feel it's responsible to include a disclaimer of um, this is not a definitive one-on-one doctor patient um, consultation but this is just your um your take on an email that we've received yeah definitely um but i also think it is really difficult to navigate all of the noise um you can i've done it several times recently where i've just picked up google i thought i feel weird about something and then you as the one listener said you go down a rabbit hole of looking at all this advice yeah and you can and it's misinformation Mm. all the time even if it's things like like diets and i wanted to say this example I saw a very famous celebrity personal trainer about two years ago and I was about to do a 5k run with a friend Mm -hmm. and he was like why are you doing that look at your body type you're not a runner you're clearly meant for weights and I said oh okay and I from that and a few other things I really stopped running which I'm now getting back into because I did the DNA test with you yeah and it came back and said weight training isn't a great sport for you your tissues don't respond in the same don't respond well to it but your body loves endurance yeah and you did you did like it you intuitively did like it yeah and I had so I had been on the right track Mm. what I'm saying is and I want listeners to really learn from my mistake god damn it (laughs) is it's so easy to listen to something and think oh I should be doing that or you know in this case this person trains really famous actresses and I was like I want to look like them so I'm going to (laughs) start lifting weights (laughs) But actually, um, it, it's important not to get swayed by all this information, I think is what I'm trying to say. And yeah. actually, yes, maybe if I'd gone and trained with him, he would have whipped me into the best shape of my life. But um, I don't have that money. <laughs> <laughs> and I sometimes you just have to commit. I guess what I'm just trying to say is you people a lot of these listeners are saying that they know themselves yeah that they, they are in tune with something yeah so maybe it's about trying to cut out some of the noise and not sort of knee-jerk Googling definitely definitely and just finding a source that yeah. you trust yeah and then yeah going and down there. the dna test that we did together mm. i did on myself as well yeah. and i would say that when i looked at the results there were no big shocks or surprises because you're intuitive to yourself. Mm. You know, oh yeah, I do always feel like that. And that, that is the case. And I thought that diet was good for me. Um, so it's just more guidance. And then that's reassuring that you actually know what your body is doing. Mm. Um, so yeah, be intuitive and don't dismiss that intuition. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, because I remember the first thing that you said to me when I came in and started <laughs> crying and telling you what was going on in my life is after you'd written all the notes down and I'd just done all the talking before you said anything else you said what what's what do you got what's your gut instinct what do you think's going on here and yeah. I that was very interesting yeah because i'm always wondering you know what i need to know what the person's thinking what what's going on what do you think's going on so that i can tailor things mm. because other, otherwise i can't answer a question that you've got in the back of your mind mm. unless i know but also sometimes we're right so mm. i need to explore that avenue as well and if and if that isn't the case, then I need to make double sure I explain why it isn't the case, because mm-hmm. you've got it in your mind that that could be the thing. Right. But a lot of the time, people are right. That's a lovely note on which to end. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. No problem. I know you're so busy. We're, we've stolen a room upstairs away from your <laughs> clinic. But um, and I know you've got to get back to uh, people, lovely people. So thank you. And listeners, obviously... If you want Sarah to come back <laughs> for round three, please do email in your questions to thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. You can contact me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Emma Guns and I do respond to DMs. So if you want to contact me that way, please do. Obviously, head over to wherever you're listening, subscribe and leave a review. And I will be putting all of the links to Sahar, your website, your retreat, 
uh, the clinic and all your social media handles in the show notes which are available on emmaguns.com and also on iTunes but Sahar thank you so much for coming back thank you Emma always a pleasure to see you Hey, before you go, I just wanted to let you know that you can get in touch with me. It's so easy. Just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can DM me on Twitter and Instagram where I seem to be doing a lot of my messages where I'm at Emma Guns. And if you're listening somewhere where you can leave a review, I would be so grateful if you could click those five stars and say what you've been enjoying. I hope if your question was answered during the show that you were happy with the answer. And I can just tell you this, next week's guest is flipping fantastic just recorded the episode and uh, I hope that you tune in then. See you on the next one.